Federal hiring managers view sector-wide shakeups in the private sector, especially the tech area, as an opportunity to grab some talent for public service. Agencies are joining forces with state and local governments to pitch that idea of public service careers. Those agencies had a recent tech-to-gov virtual job fair to help get some hires in while interest is high. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with a senior advisor for the Office of Personnel Management's Hiring Experience Group, Kylie Russ. We do know that there are many hires that have happened, including some even at OPM, like HX hired someone from the Tech2Gov event, our director's office just hired somebody from the Tech2Gov event. So we know that these things have happened. We know that GSA, IRS, OPM, VA, like these agencies have all um, told us that they have made hires from the event. And we know that one agency alone hired 30. But we will, like I said, try to do a better job of setting up the front end for the future so we can better tell you next time around. Over two thirds of candidates said that they were more excited and interested in a government career than they had been before they attended the event, which is huge. Agencies found it extremely useful to the point where we started getting enough inbound requests for more events, but also other things that we can be doing internally at a more systemic level to smooth the path in for more technologists. And so we are actually standing up an internal to government working group with very broad interagency a representation. I'm happy to kind of go into what that working group is going to do, but that demand for more tech to gov was high enough where we decided that that was a worthwhile investment. Really encouraging to hear that that interest group is being stood up and that those smoothings over of the federal hiring process are in the works here. Can you shed a little bit of light on what that working group is going to be uh, tackling? It's kicking off soon. So like how things will develop is a little bit murky, but the plan right now is that we're going to be tackling three broad work streams. The first work stream is going to be a sharing of best practices and producing of best practices. So that might mean that like that could mean things from PD libraries that could mean tackling things in like skills-based hiring. So that's kind of a big bucket for there's so much excitement in this community to, to pitch in and try to help smooth the path for hiring in tech. And so I'm funneling a lot of that energy into some of these projects that cross-government can work on and can benefit from. So that's the big Workstream One bucket. The second one, we're working on a training academy for HR and hiring managers and folks interested in bringing in more technologists. And when I say technologists, I should say I'm like really big tent here. So I'm talking about tech, I'm talking about cyber, uh, I'm talking about AI, data, customer experience. So this group is like kind of looking at things that are tech and tech adjacent. So that middle work stream is about helping HR hiring managers and others kind of learn what are the best practices in actually recruiting this tech talent and bringing them in? So everything from what authorities should we be thinking about to what does your actual pitch look like to candidates? The third category is pooled hiring. So that's like the big thing right now and rightly so. So we're working really closely with the hiring experience group in OPM to both 
push for OPM to be running some of these pooled hiring actions, but also supporting agencies to run shared hiring amongst themselves with the idea being if one agency is really good at recruiting and selecting for X role and another one is really good at recruiting and selecting for another role, they should both run those independently and then share their lists afterwards with each other so that like we're really like uh, agencies can be leaning into the things that they're the best suited for. So all of those things are really adding up to how can we get more technologists, big tent technologists into government to support some of these really critical roles. Okay, awesome. And just so I'm not misrepresenting that last part, I mean, that sounds very similar to this hiring search that we were talking about before. They're pretty much one and the same. Yeah. So there's just, there's basically two types. OPM has special authorities to be able to do these government wide and kind of bring agencies together to agree on this is what the PD should look like. This is what the qualifications are. Agencies can run their own and then share the lists of candidates afterwards. So they're technically different, but they're both getting at the same idea, which is like, let's be moving towards pooled hiring government wide. Got it. Okay. Thanks for breaking that down for me. To, I guess, shift a little bit more present day here, Tech2Gov is doing another one of these events. This one's going to be from what I understand, a regional focus that is going to be targeting the southeast part of the U.S. and that there'll be federal, state, and local agencies represented there. But besides those obvious things, in what ways is this event similar? In what ways is this different from what we've seen in the past already? I would say in many ways it is similar with a few changes, a few like enhancements. So there are three federal agencies participating, IRS, CDC, and USDA. And all of the agencies who are participating in this event went through training with Tech Talent Project to do some practice on actually some of the stuff that I talked about for Workstream 3. So like pitching and, and kind of what is the story that your agency should be telling in order to like appeal to, to these candidates. And so we're hopeful that that will improve everyone's experience. Having agencies gone through some of this really great training that Tech Talent produced specifically for this and then hopefully for going forward, OPM wasn't as heavily involved in this one as we were in the January event. And we will be kind of co-leading the event that we're hosting in October too, date pending. Like, And we will plan to help do some of this training leading up to that event too. Okay, great. Yeah, I know October feels like a very far period away from now, but it'll sneak up on you sooner rather than later, I suppose. I understand that's going to be more of a close to what we saw back in January. It's going to be this bigger type event. It won't be the regional one. What do you guys have planned for that? Is it going to be more of the same? Is it going to be a little bit different? I would say it is largely the same with, we hope, some enhancements. We will have, we hope, with the Tech2Gov internal working group, We hope to have started some of the training for folks who are going to be attending that fair so that they can feel really confident and prepared to talk the talk, make the pitch, and just like generally feel more well-rounded in this space. And so the training should be something that is new leading up to that, that will hopefully make everyone's experience better. We will do more active recruiting because it's planned so much further out than the last one, which was a pretty quick turn. So I think that that will be really helpful. And then we are talking about trying to figure out if there is anything we can do to make some agencies who have direct hire authority to support them in making that like a hiring fair, as opposed to an opportunity fair, which is very much how the January event was structured and will be how the 
October event will likely be structured for most agencies, but trying to figure out, can we be doing anything to support like event-based hiring and some of the direct hiring at the fair itself? Something we've seen come out of OPM recently is some specialty-focused dashboards to really get the visibility around STEM-specific jobs, cyber-specific jobs. How do you see those dashboards getting people to be aware of these positions and where ultimately they could wind up in a government career? Yeah, I think that these dashboards are very helpful and have the potential to be increasingly helpful to candidates who aren't used to navigating USA jobs. It can be really overwhelming. This is not surprising to anybody. It can be really overwhelming to look at USA jobs and just for like one series, for example, like the 2210 is the tech series for a lot of roles. And to go on USA Jobs and see like many different things that you're expected to search for, filtering out the various types of series can be really overwhelming. And so having these landing pages, we hope, is helpful to actually both sides, like to candidates. Of course, we hope that it's helpful in pulling all of the relevant roles or, or potentially relevant roles into one place. It is also helpful for agencies because it it can help them rethink, like, how should I be titling this job um, so that it is really relevant to people uh, who are looking on this landing page? Um, So pushing pushing agencies to consider um, using parentheticals that are more relevant to the role and of course, on the recruiting side. So like, I know our comms team has done a great job of pushing those out. Hey, um, look at like the 100 new roles that were just posted on the on the cyber website or the tech website. And I think that they they have the potential to be a really good recruiting tool um, as we encourage more agencies to use them. Kylie Russ, Senior Advisor for the Office of Personnel Management's Hiring Experience Group, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees, joined Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to share how his upbringing in rural Alabama eventually propelled him to the forefront of thousands of union members raising a collective voice. After years of leadership with both the largest federal employee union and as a pastor, Everett Kelly reflects on his deep-rooted values of integrity and hard work. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm joined by Mr. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees. Everett, welcome, and thank you for being here. Shane, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's mine. You first joined AFGE in 1981 during what eventually became your 30 years of service at Anniston Army Depot. We're now more than 40 years past 1981, and you've been the union's national president since 2020. How's your decades-long involvement with AFGE impacted the way you view your role now as the union's leader? The time that I spent as local president, I simultaneously spent that same time as a pastor in Alabama. I like to say that this was my training ground because as I was entering into the role of unionism, I was also entering into ministry. And so I see my role even as the union leader as ministry. It's never an understatement because this is what I believe. I believe that if you love people and show people that you love them, 
people will follow you. My business is in the business of growing people. Uh, and that's what I do. And I, and I think that my training as a pastor and as a union uh, leader has given me the ability to really, you know, uh, grow people because I feel like that, you know, it's my responsibility both as a union leader and as a pastor to ensure that people have a livable wage. It's also uh, my responsibility to ensure that people are treated fair with dignity and respect on the job. And I think that goes in both uh, arena. So, so I've seen this, you know, as ministry, as I've grown through the four decades of leading people. Putting those two together is amazing. AFGE handles a massive array of issues and topics of importance to feds across many departments and agencies. What is it like being at the forefront of all those moving parts and how do you manage it all? Well, first of all, let me give kudos to my staff. Okay. Uh, because it's just no way that I could manage all of this work and all the moving parts by myself. But I have an excellent staff that always makes sure that I'm prepared and that I'm ready. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be out in the forefront, you know, uh, bringing people to the realization that they have something to fight for. But again, I cannot and please understand, when I say I cannot, it's, it's, it's what I truly believe. I cannot do it without a good, strong staff. Uh, and I tell anybody that, but I enjoy fighting for the cause. I enjoy standing in front of a group of AFG members, calling them to action, and then standing back and watching that action come to fruition. Because I know that I'm not the one that's doing it. Okay? They are the one that's doing it. I'm merely casting a vision. Right. And I enjoy casting a vision and then watching a vision come to fruition. And it's the staff and the members that get that done. As CEO at, at WEPA, I completely and totally understand that we rely on them. It's not Absolutely. just nice to have. We rely on. Absolutely. Them. As AFGE president, you often speak at union rallies and other events widely attended by federal employees. What's it like to experience that direct connection to employees? And how does that influence your leadership style? You know, that gets me excited, okay? To be standing in front of a group of AFGE leaders get me excited. To hear the words, who are we, and the chants that come back that says AFGE gets me excited. It gets my motor uh, running, if you will. And it's exciting to look at them and see the motivation in their faces, when they're fighting for a cause and, and, and all of us come together and fight uh, in solidarity, fight as one, raise one voice. You can't explain the feeling. You just know that it's right. You know, I just know that it's right when I'm standing there and I feel this and I never fail to say thank you again because I'm the one that merely cast the vision. They are the ones that get the work done. And so when I see them out there ready to go and that call to action goes out, and then I see them really begin to march on that uh, initiative. It's an energy that I cannot explain. I can explain it. I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> um, d describe how your personal background and upbringing folds into how you function as a leader. You know, understanding that I was born in the deep South. I was born in a little small town in Goodwater, Alabama, population 1,292 today. Born to parents that, and I hope I don't offend anybody, and I've got to quit saying this, but 
But I was born to a set of parents that believed and trusted in God. And that began to establish who I was. I began to trust God myself in everything that I do. I, I trust God even in this situation as a union leader because my parents taught me to believe in uh, the Bible. And with that came do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. In other words, treat people right. Treat people with respect, right? Do what's right. It taught me, you know, about integrity, right? It taught me about being honest, you know, and that's what's needed in the role of a leader of this union. It's it's needed, uh, and, you know, I try to portray that. I try to portray a person of honesty and a person of integrity. And so being in the Deep South, you know, you you, you just learn those things, and that's what has helped me uh, throughout my path as a union leader. And it's always nice, that whole approach, because you don't have multiple approaches with different people or different sets of different tasks, different energy. It's it's always straightforward, yes. honest. Here's the truth. Yes. And it, it's it's easy. Yes. Right? Yes. It's a lot easier than having multiple personas. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What's one piece of advice if you could go back and tell yourself when you were starting your career? You know, I don't know you asked for one, but I'm I'm gonna have to elaborate on two. Yeah. If that's yeah. okay. Number one, I would explain the urgency of integrity a lot sooner than what I did, right? Because to me, integrity is not necessarily what you see others do or what others see you do, but integrity to me is what you do even when no one is looking. And so I I would really begin to stress that importance more so at an earlier state in my leadership role rather than the latter part. Okay, I begin to stress that more now, but I wish I had began to do that more at the earlier states in my uh, role. Secondly, I would tell myself to always, and I'm going back to my roots, always work hard and don't ever accept no as an answer, right? Because I just believe that if you want it bad enough, if you want to achieve it, you can it's all about the amount of work you put into it, right? And the and the amount of faith you have that it can be accomplished. So when I look at AFGE and its membership and where we were four or five years ago and where we are today, that's a reminder that you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and work hard enough. And one question that's always kind of interesting at, at the end of our time together is, is there one person, you mentioned your parents before, mm-hmm. um, is there one person or maybe more than one who really inspired you when you were younger that you might even think back on today? It was my grandmother, you know, with the understanding that when and when I was born, right, as I said, I was born in the Deep South. My father worked extremely hard. We didn't have a whole lot. You know, my, I had 12 siblings. And so when I was born, I was very sick. As a matter of fact, the doctor said I wouldn't live to be 16 years old. The doctor said I wouldn't ever hold a job. But my grandmother would always teach me how to pray. And she taught me about faith. And it is prayer and faith that has allowed me to be standing here today. Suppose I've been dead 50 years ago, but I'm 66 years old now. And it's all because of my faith 
and my belief and my prayer life. And I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amazing story. Thank you for sharing all of it with us, Everett, and really appreciate you being on the show today. That's just mine. And this is Shane Canfield. We'll see you next time on Lessons in Leadership. Find the full podcast and future episodes of Lessons in Leadership on the Federal News Network app and anywhere you enjoy your podcasts.